Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Today is Mother's Day, so let's enjoy the mothers and leave it at that. I hope you say happy Mother's Day to your mom. Whether she annoyed you or not. Hebrews 4. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast unto our confession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all ways tempted as we are yet without sin. 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This morning, I want us to spend a short time praying before we do anything else. Okay. Many of us are in need. I dare say all of us are in serious need. Some of us don't even realize that we are in need. But we are in very serious need. I can see some green, green teenagers in the house. Welcome back home. I hope you enjoy <laughs> whatever it is. Try and enjoy the holiday, okay? Make the best out of it. And we are hoping that the green and the gold and everything will be merged into one. So I have just one system this year or next year. But this morning, we want to come boldly before God. He has given us that opportunity. He wants to help us. I don't know what help that you, you have, you need. I don't know what need that you have. I have some needs. I have some spiritual needs. My life is not the way I want it to be. This morning, looking at some faces, I, I could tell that they had serious needs. Doing praise and worship, one boy was just standing like this. And just looking straight. I don't want to look in his direction so he feel guilty. But I was looking so straight and I was asking myself, hey, what is happening? You may not have stood like that, but deep inside you, you know, you, you, you want to worship God. You want to express yourself, but you are unable to. Maybe because of some decisions that you've taken, maybe because of some things that you have done, I don't know, or some things that you may not have that you yearn for, I have no idea, but God knows. And he says, you must come boldly before him. Come boldly to the throne that will receive help and grace to deal with our need. I want us to close our eyes for the next five minutes we want to really mean some serious business with God. Whichever form. Talk to God. Talk to God. 
You know yourself. You know your need. And he knows. And he knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows what I need. I may not even know what I need. But Lord, I simply come to the cross of Calvary where you paid it all for me. Help me. There's power in the cross. Your word tells me to come boldly to the throne of grace that I will receive mercy and find enough grace to help me in my time of need, in my time of weakness, in my time of helplessness. Lord, I come to you and I cling to the cross of Calvary. Help me, Lord. This morning, help me. Open my heart, O God. I open up to you. Lord, search my heart. Search me through and through. I want to be on fire for you. I want to grow deeper in love for you. I want you to be my topmost desire. But there are many things that are holding me back. I don't even understand. Lord, I need you. Help me. Help me. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There, a precious fountain free to all a stream flows from Calvary's fountain. Jesus, keep me near the cross there a prayer just fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's fountain in the cross in the cross as we are. We come trembling to the cross. We hold on to the cross. May the blood touch us. 
May the blood wash us. May the blood cleanse us. May the blood revive us. May the blood heal us. May the blood open up our minds. May the blood open up our hearts. May the blood bring us joy. continue our series on spiritual growth and discipleship. For those of you who have been away, we started just last week and we began to talk about growth and um, discipleship. Last week, I mentioned that we are growing to die. Everyone is going to die. This morning I was thinking about my mom. My mom is still alive. You know. She's around 90 years old. And every day she's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And, uh, and then I began to reflect on the fact that this is the, is, is the, is the way of life. is the way of every human unless Christ comes. And we will all get there one day. Right now, you, you cannot think about how it is like to be an old person. Even me, I cannot think about it. But we will get there. You will not always be a teenager. One day you go. Like Auntie Trudy once told me. You see, when you get to a certain stage, when they, your organs, they start shutting down one by one. They start getting weaker and weaker. They shut down. And one day, one day, something will happen. 
and you are gone. We will all get there, whether we like it or not. It's not a pleasant thing to talk about, is it? But it's a reality of life. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then after that is judgment. So like I was telling us last week, we must live our lives with the end in view. Don't live life as if you always be a teenager. Because you won't. You see, right now we are talking about Mother's Day and some of you are just giggling and then just having fun, uh, making fun of the whole thing. And some of you, you, you take it to seriousness because your, your mother means so much to you. Your mother should always mean so much to you. Even if they don't mean much to you, the Bible says that you must honor them. So just honor them in obedience to the word of God. But the reality is that many of us do not see ourselves as mothers. Even those who are, of us who are dreaming of having children one day, you don't really see yourself as mothers. But I can tell you, it won't be long. It won't be long, cry. And I hope I'm allowed to see some of you go through it. So you can tell me your stories. Live your life with the end in mind. And last week I was telling us that some of us are in JHS, SHS, and we are living as if we will always be in JHS 2. JHS 3 is coming. It's only a matter of time. And BEC will come. And if you don't study and live your life in JHS as if BEC is going to come, when it's about two months to BEC, then the reality dawns on you and it's too late. It's the same with every facet of life. And then I also said that there's another principle in life. Anything that is not growing is dying. If you're not growing, you are dying. Ask your friend, are you growing or are you dying? And if you want a, a title for today's message, that is one possible title. Are you growing or are you dying? And you are the only one who can answer for yourself. I really want to talk. Today we'll be diving into in and out of the book of Ephesians. I'll be looking at the five stages of the Christian life. Or five stages of Christian growth. Make it more relevant to what you are talking about. Are you growing or are you dying? You see, sometimes when you are dying, you don't realize that you are dying. How many of us like uh, busking? Busking. Is it busking or busking or whatever? But you understand what I'm talking about. How many of you like busking? Oh, very few. Okay. Well, those of you who like busking, I'm sure by now you have heard that our man was beating Potter. He didn't just lose. He was beating Potter. I'm talking about Isidogbe. He was, he was mesmerized. In fact, his handlers had to throw in the towel. He was beating more than the first bout. The fact that, and you see, 
once in a while, I follow these things. I used to like boxing a lot, but this is it's wrestling. And doing one of the, doing the, doing the, the way in, you know, before, before they fight, the night before, they come and stand behind their scales and then they weigh them. And tell it, the way Isaac Dogo was bragging, you should have seen him. Navarrete was just standing there, just looking, looking at him. And because Brock, and then the, the people around there say, hey, no, no, the injury is for no. He said, no, no. I mean, the guy was talking as if he was a champion. When the, when the real tank came for action, I mean, he was, he was fraud mercilessly. That is how sometimes we behave spiritually. We are in Teen Chapel. So, you, you see, and there's something about Teen Chapel. There's a certain unique grace on Teen Chapel. I don't know why God decided to bless us with this grace, but there's something so unique about Teen Chapel. And many have testified, and many are still testifying. Sometimes you may think that because you are in Teen Chapel and because you also fall under this grace, automatically your life will be fine. The blessings and the transformation that people have talked about, that we keep preaching and keep talking about through the word of God, will automatically come to you. It doesn't happen that way. You can go through Teen Chapel, graduate from this place, and your life will be a big mess. Just as we have countless testimonies of People whose lives have been radically transformed by Teen Chapel. I can tell you, we also have a number of testimonies, very bad testimonies, about people who went through Teen Chapel. And when you look at their lives, there's nothing at all to write home about. I pray that that will not be your lot. But it will not just happen. You need to work at it. You need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You need to cooperate with your leaders. Last week we shared Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. Who can tell me what it says? Can we all say it together? I think you do as memory verse, isn't it? Everybody, except those who are not here, everybody paraphrase Galatians 4.19. Ready, go. You see what I'm talking about? All those who were here last Sunday, okay, those who were here last Sunday, stand up. Some people are sitting down and they know they should not be sitting down. Let me see those who are sitting down. If you are sitting down, you know you should be standing there. Stand up. For deciding to be so late. Why are you waiting? Ah, you brought yourself. Can you summarize Galatians 4.19? What does it say? You don't remember? 
Let me see your notebook. Do you write notes? Sure. Your notebook is even your back. So it means today you haven't even written anything yet. Yeah, I just came. It just came. So let me see what you wrote. Did you go over your notes? Last week's note. Did you go over it? This one last week. You don't write anything last week. You didn't come early. Mama, you didn't write anything. All of you stand. Open your notebooks. I'm coming around. Where's your notebook? You didn't bring notebook. What's your notebook? What did you write last week? Let me use it to preach small, okay? You wrote the mem- you wrote the quotation, but I didn't write what it says. And when it w- went to, you didn't read it. You read it just now. At least you are wise. You are wiser than those who are not reading. Those of you who are reading, you are very wise. Someone is playing with his hand. Galatians four nineteen. What does it say? It, it talks about um, the anguish that women have when they are giving birth. Hey, no, I said that. <laughs> Sit down, take your seats. <laughs> no, it doesn't, it doesn't talk about that. Okay. I use that as an illustration to explain the verse. Okay. By Galatians 5. Okay, all of us, let's turn to Galatians uh, 4 verse 19. This series is sad that we will need to take our time to understand everything that we do. So you will not even get into today's message. Shall we all read it together? So, the writer who wrote this is Paul who wrote this. What was Paul's aim in saying what he said, what was he trying to tell us? What was his aim? What was he trying to achieve? My friend, what's your name? Yeah. What was Paul trying to achieve? Wow. Take your facilitators, you see our work. So when it comes to the Bible study and the discussions, we have a lot of work to do. My friend, what's your name? What's your name? Emmanuel. So what was, what was Paul's aim in saying this? So he was writing this to tell them about how foolish they are. And... It's not this verse, so. 
right, but it's not in this verse. I'm saying in this verse, what was he trying to, uh, what is, what was the main point he was trying to make? Was, he was trying to tell them that they will suffer until God, Christ is back in their lives. They will suffer. Yeah. What does it say? Are the children suffering here? Who is suffering? It is Paul, not the children. Okay? Paul was referring to the church as his little children. So Paul was saying that he was suffering. He was going to travail. Like a woman giving birth, okay? And what was his aim of going through all that he was going through? So it doesn't matter whether I'm here or not. To be born again. Not exactly. My lady will not bring notebook. What was his aim? Don't look in the air. The answer is on the board. What was he trying to achieve? I know you are not sure, so talk to me. Don't talk to everybody. Talk to me. Just have to give me the mic. What was he trying to achieve? You have gone blank. Don't go blank. He has sort of sport right back to you. You know what he said? He said that they are not growing. You are, you are, you are talking about my message rather than talking about the scripture. He's talking about how they are not growing again. And that how he has to go through all the process all over again to get them born again. Is that what he says? Facilitators. You see, you see sometimes it's not good to preach. That's why I say sometimes you have to chat. I can preach and ex- I can explain this excellently. I, I thought I did an excellent work last week. But we haven't understood. Uh, this is quite time old. We're just looking at the scripture. What did Paul, what was Paul's aim in this verse? It's just one verse. What was his aim? What was his goal, my sister? What was his goal? Wow. What was Paul's goal? To develop Christ in their lives. Don't we have eyes to see? To develop Christ in their life until Christ be formed in you. That is his goal. That's why he's heading towards. That is why he's traveling. That is why he's suffering. That is why he's calling the little children. Because he wants Christ to be formed in them. That is his goal. Or you don't agree with him. It's English language. It's, not, it's nothing. It's just simple uh, comprehension. How do you understand what is written? There's no spirituality about this. He says that I'm suffering, I'm struggling, I'm laboring 
so that Christ will be formed in you. Now do we understand? Okay, let's memorize this verse. Ready, go. Hey, is that how you do memory verse? Ready, go. Again. Can we take it off the screen for a few seconds? Ready, go. If you forget this next week, the verse, and Paul's goal in this verse, you shouldn't forget. Okay. Now, so, Paul's aim is that Christ will be formed in them. My goal, the facilitator's goal in this place, is that Christ will be formed in you. That is the goal of all that we do. If you miss it, you, you miss what we are doing. We are not saying that you are not born again. Some of you are saying that, Paul was laboring so that they would be born again. No. They are already born again. If, if you are not born again, Christ cannot be formed in you. Am I making sense? Most of us here are born again. Maybe a few of us may be struggling. We are not too sure. We'll deal with that at the appropriate times. Those who were praying for last week, are you here? I think you are about two or three. Where are they? Are you speaking in tongues now? Have you been speaking in tongues? Did you speak in tongues this morning? You see, when you do that, you become like the little children. Okay? You must continue. Last week, I mentioned that the laboring has two dimensions. The leaders labor, and you yourself also, you must labor. Let, let me show you from this verse why that is so. If Paul, if it was only Paul's laboring that will cause Christ to be formed in them, Paul would not have any problem. If Paul would not even have written this verse in the Bible, the Holy Spirit would not have caused him to write it because Paul said he was laboring. And if he was laboring, Christ would automatically be formed in them and all of them would mature. If we don't have any part to play, and it's only the leaders and the Holy Spirit, there'll be no weak Christian in the church. All of us will be full of faith. All of us will be anointed. All of us will be happy. When it's time for praise and worship, sometimes we don't even need a praise and worship leader. As soon as we come, look, from our home, we're already filled with praise. We wake up from our bed. We are excited. We are thanking God. We are praising God. As we go to the bathroom, we are praising God. We come to dress. We are dressing up and we are praising God. We are come to sit in the trust. We are praising God. And the trust looks at us. What's wrong with this guy? 
But you are praising God. So, but then you get to Teen Chapel on the stairs. Oh, there's, there's some worship team from downstairs to upstairs. And by the time you get to this place, this place is electrified with praise unto God. But it doesn't work like that. So there is a part that we have to play. And that's what we'll be talking about this morning. I may only be able to introduce today's message and next week we may continue. We'll be talking about the five stages of Christian growth. The first stage of our walk with God is where the Bible describes that we are worldly or we are without Christ or we are dead in our sins. And that is where the whole world finds themselves in. Anyone who has not accepted Jesus Christ, anyone who hasn't called upon the name of Jesus, the Bible says they are dead in their sins. They are controlled by the devil and his agents. They are manipulated by him. Before we look at scripture, this morning I was reading uh, one of those varapos. It may sound funny. I haven't verified it. I don't know whether it's true, but it's good to be wise. These days, the things that are happening in this country, we have to be very, very wise. Years ago in Teen Chapel, we're talking about similar things, the need for us to be wise. When we are in school, obey school rules. Don't break school rules. Don't run to town without exit and stuff like that. But we, we do it, don't we? Green track. We, never, we are just having fun. It's not all fun that is correct, too. But I remember we used to talk about these things in Teen Chapel. And then one lady, unfortunately, lost her life in a very tragic way. It was actually a ritual murder. Most of you are old enough in Teen Chapel, remember. I don't want to remind us of these nasty things. But this Vara post that I read was, it, I hear it happened in the Volta region very recently. There was a lady who was selling by the roadside. You know when you travel, you know, there are all, all kinds of people who sell by the roadside, especially those of you who have traveled without seeing some. Even in Accra, you see them selling on the street. That's how they do it, even on the highways. Okay. So there was this little girl who was selling something by the roadside. And then a car, a private car passed by, stopped, and then asked about the cost of the items. And she mentioned it, and the guy said wanted to buy some. So the lady, the young girl wrapped the items, gave it to the man. And then the man in pain dropped the money on the floor. And he asked the girl to pick the money from the floor. He said, no way, I won't pick it from the floor. You take it and give it to me. And then it became a tussle. I mean, there was a lot of commotion. Then people came around. Because normally, when they are selling, you see all kinds of people around. People came around, what's going on? Then the girl narrated her story. So they insisted that the man get down from the car and pick the money. And immediately the man got down from the car and took the money. He turned into a hen. 
Some of you don't believe in some of these stories. The other guy in the car was beating mercilessly. And they took them to the police station. And then they, they, the principal is, is insisted that he should turn his friend back into a human being. So he went into the car, took out some cane, and lashed the, the hand. You're laughing. And the hand became a human being. You are laughing. You, you like to leave. Hey, nobody should say next week that uh, the worldly people are the people who become chicken. I didn't say that. Okay. Listen. Whether this one is true or not, I want you to understand that these things are real. And listen to me. They are real and they happen. Last week, I told you about my own story about me and my friends in the university. You remember the story? And then the ring. This is a real. Look, let me give you, I don't know why I'm digressive. I'm not even talking about my message, so it's fine. What am I trying to describe? Some of you are just enjoying the tolerance you are lost. What am I trying to describe? Hey! People, you like to leave. What is my sermon title for today? Again? Are you growing or are you dying? That is one. And what is the second title? Five stages of spiritual growth. And I'm talking about the first stage. And what is the first stage? Pardon? The, the worldly stage. What else? Another adverb. I'm describing the first stage. You're not writing anything. Okay. What's the, what's, say anything about the first stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I preached this less than 10 minutes ago. Say something about the first stage. Anything. Choristers, help me. Say anything about the first stage. Somebody said the worldly people. Pardon? Anyone who? Anyone who hasn't called the name of the, the uh, of, of of God is dead in their sins. Anything else? Choristers. Emanuela, what did you become a chorister? <laughs> Today. Tell us anything else. Something else. Okay. So remember that's the first type of people, or that's the first stage of our spiritual growth, where we are without Christ. Christ is not in our lives. We are without Christ. And when you are without Christ, you are dead in your sin. You are separated from God. You have lost. You don't have the glory of God. Because what Adam and Eve lost, you are still in that state. You are dead spiritually. Have I made myself clear? 
Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So you see, these verses are describing this first stage of our spiritual growth. Where we are without Christ, where we are dead in our sins, we have not called upon the name of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ has not cleansed us, we are not forgiven. We are under the control of the devil, the spirit, the God of this earth, the devil and his agents. We live our lives according to how he directs and manipulates us. And the Bible says that, you know, we, we, in our mind and in our lives, you know, we seek after lustful things, the lust of the flesh. The devil forces us to desire things that are not desirable. When I was preparing for this series, I did some research and I wanted to show us some stuff and I, I, I decided against it. Some of the stuff that uh, Uncle Dennis showed us when he was uh, preaching his series, I wanted to show us some more. Then I said, no, not in Teen Chapel. But if you see where the world is going today, in the fashion world. And for some of us, some of these people are our, are our adults. Some people dress literally naked and they call it fashion. So why don't they throw the clothes away and they rather walk naked? All your bumps are showing, all your boobs are showing, and everyone you're wearing dress. And just some small to cover the nipples. And then, what kind of nonsense is this? But that is where the world is going. You know why we are going that way? We are going that way because the devil is manipulating us, fulfilling the lust of the flesh. There are some documentaries that are on TV now. No, when you, you try to live you know, the naked life. Reality shows. A man and a woman, you don't know yourself from anywhere. And you, you live naked. I mean, what, what madness is this? But to them, it is okay. The Bible describes it that they are sons of disobedience. Disobedience to who? Disobedience to God. So the worldly people, those without Christ, that they are disobedient to God. And they are obedient to the devil. 
They are obedient to his machinations. They are obedient to his leadership. When he leads them, they follow. They conduct their lives according to his dictates. I recently shared some stuff with the facilitators. I wish I could show us some of this stuff so that you see that what I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not talking imaginative things. And some of you see these things in your schools. And some of you are following them. Twelve year olds, thirty years, forty year olds. I mean, it's sad. But the Bible says they are depraved. Their minds have been corrupted because of the thoughts that the devil bombards them with to make them disobedient to God. Christ is not in their lives. And all of us, at one time or the other, that is how we were. We were in that state in many different ways and at different levels. Some of us were blessed to be born in a Christian home. So, because of the grace and anointing on our parents, we are covered and shielded to a certain extent. But it's not 100%. Because we have our own will, even when we are covered by our parents, we can still choose to go wayward. And those of you who have heard Uncle Bethmore's story, I mean, some part of the story is as if he was not even in Teen Chapel. Uncle Bethmore, I lie. It was as if he was, he was not in Teen Chapel. His father is the head of the children's department. And he was in the children's department, groomed by his father, groomed and mentored at home by his father. But he went wayward in some ways. And some of us are going wayward. Because we are refusing to yield to what we are telling you. You want your parents to pray for you. You want us to labor and pray for you that you'll be, you, 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 you'll be okay. Hey, there's a part that you have to play. But at this stage, we are talking about those without Christ. And that's why we need to pray for them. And that's why we need to talk to them about Jesus because it's only Jesus that can bring transformation into their lives. So that's the first stage of our Christian growth. A life without Christ. Worldly, spiritually dead, under the control of the God of this earth. The second stage, I'll rush through the other four stages and the next week we'll come back to them again. The second stage is what we refer to as the new birth or the born, when you have the born again experience. And many of us have had the born again experience. We have called upon Jesus Christ and he has given birth to us. So now we are born again. We are spiritually alive. We are no longer dead in our sins. We have become babies in Christ. But that is all it is at this second stage of our lives. 
We'll skip the scriptures for now, but I'll encourage us when we go home to read through the whole of the book of Ephesians as many times as you can. It's only six chapters. So read it over and over and over again. But next week, we'll spend some time to talk about the, the stage of the new birth. And the new birth for many of us is because many of us were born in the Christian home. Our parents were Christians, our guardians were Christians, so right from, from birth, we started attending the children's Sunday school, we didn't understand anything, but we were there, we were covered. But at a certain stage in our lives, you know, we began to look around, we began to ask questions. And then we realized that there was something not right with our lives. Either our parents, our peers, or our teachers may have talked to us about Jesus Christ and about how it is important to, to call upon Jesus Christ yourself, then you'll be saved. Uh, it didn't make sense to many of us. I'm sure still it doesn't make too much sense to quite a number of us. But we went through that rudiment and we know that we are born again. How many of us have gone through that? You are sure that you are born again? Later on, let me see. Okay. Is there anybody who is still not sure? Maybe you've done it, you haven't done it, but you are not sure that you are born again. There's no need to be shy about this. If you're not sure, leave your let me see you. You're not sure or you have doubts. Okay. When we start asking questions, we shall see. Oh, yeah, it's important. You see, because the devil will come and ask you questions. Your friends will ask you questions. You yourself, you ask yourself questions. And when you cannot answer those questions with scripture... That is why you get confused. And before you realize, you go back to the first stage. And then your life now becomes the, like the life of people without Christ. You start doing some of the stuff that they do in the secondary schools. Which is not even seeping down into the primary schools. I'm only about eight, nine minutes more. So I was going to give us an illustration, but I'll leave it at that. Maybe next week. You start doing things. You also start chasing girls. You also start allowing guys into your life. And you allow them to do all kinds of stuff to you. And you are okay with it. You come to church, you feel a little guilty, but you go out of church and you continue. The reason is you are not sure about the fact that you are born again. And you're not dealing with it. So you resign yourself because, you see, those desires, they will still be there. Last week I was sharing with you, I didn't go to any details. And if you uncle Dennis that I shared a little with, I didn't even go to any detail. But I was sharing some stuff about some emotional challenges that I was going through. And then I happened to be counseling a young married couple, the guy. And uh, as we talked, he was going through some issues. And as we talked, no, I advised him what to do. I gave him some guidance and all that. And at the end of it, I told him, look, even me, myself, I'm going through a similar thing right now. He said, ah, Uncle Bishu, at this stage too? I said, yes. You see, you, you don't understand. You see, nobody here laughed. Because you, you can't understand. 
But most of the facilitators, they are laughing and some of them are wondering. And some of them can relate to it. We are all human. By the time you go to this Christ test, you understand what I'm heading to. So, you go back and you behave like the worldly people. There's no difference between you and the worldly people. Some of you pretend when you come to church. You dress nicely. But as soon as you leave this place, you forget that you're a member of Teen Chapel. You forget that you are born again. The kind of stuff that you do. And man, we hear reports. We have our sources. And we know. Sometimes we know and we keep quiet over it. There's a way to handle everything. It's not everything that we tell you, but we know. So, we know things. So, don't, don't think that we don't know. We know. So, when we laugh with you, we chat with you as if nothing is happening. Don't think we don't know. I remember when Uncle Bethmore was going through some of those challenges. I got to know some story and I never told him. In fact, I never, we didn't even talk about it at all. Until I was come to preach here one time, then I just mentioned a little bit of it. I sure you were surprised, weren't you? He was very surprised, but he said that somehow he knew that I knew. We know. And even if we don't know, the Holy Spirit knows. You can pretend to ask, but the Holy Spirit knows. Now, the third stage, I don't want to quote scripture. Unless you would respond on the scripture, otherwise I will not be able to finish very quickly. The next stage of our spiritual growth is when we become established. We want everybody to be established, to be grounded, to be rooted, to be sure, to be persuaded, to know what they have believed, to be really established and know that now I know that I'm a Christian. You have handled the word of God. You have used the word of God. You have obeyed the word of God. You have struggled with the word of God. You have labored with the word of God. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes it's tough. But you have gone through the meal with the word. You have obeyed it. When it was was a blessing, you, you grabbed the blessing. When it was a suffering, you went through the suffering. And you have come out. Now you are established on the rock. That is the third stage of our Christian growth. You are established. And next week we look at some scriptures. The fourth stage is when you become matured in Christ. You know, Paul said that I labor that Christ will be formed in you. The formation doesn't take place overnight. The formation doesn't take place at camp. It doesn't take place when anointing oil is poured over you. It doesn't take place when we lay hands on you. It's all part of the process. But it's not a one-time event. When you are matured, now you understand the mysteries of God. You understand what it means to be a Christian. You understand the kingdom principles You you are so stable. You are so established that nothing moves you. No wind of doctrine moves you. Prophecy does not move you. Negative prophecy does not move you. You are so sure of the word of God because you are like Christ. Christ has been established and formed in you. 
That's the reason why we do all these things that we do. And next week we'll look at some scriptures to, uh, to back this up. You are matured. And you see, you know I do a lot of um, marriage counseling. And one of the things I always tell people, and that's why you must start working on yourself at this stage and not messing around with this boy-girl stuff and doing things which are necessary, which only create problems for you when it's, it's time for you to get married or when you get married. When, when you are matured, in fact, no, let me not digress too much. I only have three minutes. So let me leave it at that. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about it. The last stage or the fifth stage of our Christian growth, I'll leave us with this scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Maybe let me link up the fourth stage with the fifth stage. So we'll take it from verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is matured in Christ. When you are established and matured in Christ, this is who you become. You are, you see, and this is the reason why the, the spiritual gifts and so on are given. Let's we could talk a lot more about that. That you are no longer tossed by every wind of doctrine or by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, you may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. That is maturity. You grow up in every area of your life. You grow up academically. You grow up spiritually. You grow up socially. You grow up morally. You grow up in business. You grow up in every area of your life in Christ. Every area of your life comes under the control of Jesus Christ. It's not that, no, when it comes to behaving, if teach Apo, you are a Christian. When it comes to behaving, uh, relating with your parents, there's no Christ. When it comes to exams, there's no Christ. I mean, what kind of life is that? That is not maturity. Maturity is when you grow up in all things and Christ is your head. He's your authority. Verse 16 talks about the sixth stage, the fifth stage which I want to end with. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edification of itself in love. The last stage of the Christian growth is multiplication. Where every member matured playing their role. If yours is to play the instruments, you play the instruments. If yours is intercession, you intercede. If yours is to arrange church, you do that. If yours is to pray, you do that. If yours is to invite people to church, you do that. If yours is to give to people that will come to church and they'll be grounded in Christ, you do that. Every, every part, according to the measure that God, the, uh, the grace of God has reached out to you, you contribute your part so that this time it is not you growing, but it is the body the church, that is growing. And that leads to multiplication. And that is how all ITCC is about. Increasing the capacity of the church. Causing the church to grow and to explode because the members have been established. They are matured and this has got nothing to do with age. It's got to do with our dedication. 
It's got to do with our labor. It's got to do with our commitment. It's got to do with our desire. It's got to do with making Christ the head, the director, the controller of our lives. And by God's grace, we'll get there. The challenge to all of us, the question I want to leave us as we bring this session to a close. At which stage of growth are you? And you need to be very, very real with yourself. If you are struggling between stage two and stage one, and you deceive yourself that you are established, you won't grow. We can pray all the prayer, pour all the anointing, or do all the stuff. It won't help you. But we need to get real with God. And asking for grace, asking to help us, determined to cooperate with him, that you cause us to grow day by day. I really wish we could have prayed this morning, but it's all right. But in the next 30 seconds, just talk to God about the stage of the life in which you are, in the stage of your Christian growth. I'm sure the Holy Spirit may have convicted you about some things, some things that you need to do. Just take a decision that you do it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. We ask, O oh God, that you help us, that we'll help ourselves, that we'll cooperate with you. We'll cooperate with our leaders. We'll cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That we should grow, that we shall grow from stage to stage until the church begins to multiply as we bring joy to heaven, increasing the capacity of the church in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.